everyone and welcome back to the it's good to talk podcast um and now we have an interesting one today this is something we haven't come across before it seems like an obvious thing that we could have actually done before but you know clearly i wasn't thinking so it, it, we're talking about sobriety we're talking about um addiction in terms of well most things but i think we're, we're looking um primarily alcohol here but it isn't something that we've ever really talked about on here before we've talked about eating disorders we've talked about depression everything else and yet something that affects so 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 many people many people in the in the shadows that, that kind of suffer from it this isn't something we have talked about before so today we are joined by untapped keg we're gonna we're gonna do it as a collective here i mean it's a podcast you may have seen me on uh two or three weeks ago now uh, when i was talking about uh, things that i'm up to so i thought you know what this this fits talks in a similar way let's have them on this podcast as well um so before i do that obviously do like comment and subscribe because you know it, it helps you know please or, or, or just go and buy a mug. That's fine. That's down there as well. Um, but anyway, so uh, Monty, do you want to just introduce yourself, say kind of yeah. your background with everything and just, yeah, what's going on, basically? Of course, absolutely. Uh, first off, really appreciate uh, us being here. We, we This is awesome. Thank you for the invitation. And uh, my name is Monte Ball. Um, living in America, living in Wisconsin um, in America. Um, and um, I am... You know, former running back, um, played professional football. Um, I'm a father. I am a recovery coach, which entails, you know, helping folks out um, using my own personal life experiences um, to help folks overcome their addiction, overcome their journeys and mental health battles. Um, I am an uncle. Um, I'm somebody who is in recovery from alcohol. Um, and, and and it's been one heck of a journey uh, thus far. And, and and I have a podcast with my brother-in-law, who we're gonna, who's gonna introduce himself here in a little bit. But uh, we started the podcast um, last year in March. Uh, wanted to kind of give the opportunity for folks to to listen into two two guys who aren't experts, just two dads talking about how we stay away from alcohol, what helps us to stay away from alcohol, um, and how we help others to stay away from whatever it is that they were self-medicating with. Um, and so I'm, I'm just happy to be here, man. This is yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I was going to say, there's, there's a few people now um, probably looking through uh, Wikipedia or, or going, "Fuck, I thought I recognised him for for yourself <laughs> as uh, NFL because yeah, yeah. NFL's getting it's getting bigger over here." So um, you know, it's <laughs> few people will recognise you in the UK. Although I'm sure there's people in America watching this as well. Um, and yeah, as you say, um, RJ is your brother-in-law. And you both uh, kind of came on this journey together, and. Um, and have been starting it to kind of both be part of this whole thing about helping everyone. So RJ, do you want to kind of give a bit about yourself as well and, you know, what your story is? Sure. Uh, I'm RJ Zimmerman. Uh, I am just a blue collar worker, grew up in Wisconsin where it's kind of expected you're an alcoholic, right? That's kind of our, uh, how the society in Wisconsin is. I grew up small town America, Everybody knew everybody. It's, it's kind of, you know, when you think of the Midwest of America, that's how I grew up. Um, I fell into the trap of drinking and uh, every time I drank, I would drink till I got blacked out. And it wasn't that I was drinking often. It was just that when I was drinking, I was making up for not drinking often. And I just, realized that if I wanted to have a family and have a career, I needed to stop. I needed to cut it out because 
I was not going to have a family and I did not like the person that I looked in the mirror and saw. Um, so I just, uh, you know, found my own way to cut out the alcohol. And then when I was going sober, uh, I listened to a podcast with Chris Hardwick, uh, who's the talking dead guy or like he hosts a lot of stuff. He's got a podcast of his own called Nerdist. Every once in a while he would have, uh, he, he would talk about his, his own sobriety and that made me want to do the same thing to give back to other people. And so, uh, so I've been talking to Mons. We went like golfing and stuff. And we, we, we have really deep conversations. I'm like, dude, we should record this for people. So they know they're not alone. And that's what, that, that's kind of how it started. And finally talked them into it and been going ever since. And honestly, since we started the podcast, I went from being sober to being in recovery, which I didn't know there was a difference. Yeah. Um, I never thought about the roots, why I drank the way I drank. I never thought what, you know, what was behind it. And, you know, having moms on this journey with me has helped me tremendously, just having someone to be able to share with. And that's what we want to do. We're just trying to let people know they're not alone and they can share with us. Yeah. See, it's, there's about 50 different things I can ask and come off of there. So, I'm going to go with the one that's straight in my head there now. So you talked about the fact that um, it's different being sober and being in recovery. Now, this in my head seems very similar to something I talk about for anyone that follows me on on Twitch um, about the idea of wanting to change and giving yourself permission to change. Because a lot of people just go, well, there's no difference. You know, I want to change. So I've given myself permission. You're like, no, because... Um, wanting to change is like being outside of your house and wanting to get in the door and the door's locked and you haven't got the key it doesn't matter how many fucking times you run at the door all that's going to end up happening is you hurt your head whereas if you're giving yourself permission you remember to put the key under the mat before you went out so now you're not going to run at the door you're just going to go oh fuck yeah like there's a key and now you can get in and that's kind of the seemingly the difference and to me that's in my mind anyway i'm not recovering to this so again this is this is my perspective um it's a similar thing of like you're sober is you've gone well i want to change so i'm just going to stop drinking whereas the permission is going no there's more to this i can't just stop i need to understand i need to go forward i need to tell myself look this is what's going to change now does that seem to ring a bell Either one of you jump in. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought, I thought that, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's, you know, there's, there's, as we always say, there's a million, million ways up the hill, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone chooses a different path, but I think, I think we're really starting to gain a significant amount of, of, and I think as, as a culture, as, as, you know, American society of understanding mental health, that just by refraining from the use of the drug is not enough. It's, it's 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 not enough it's a huge part of it obviously it's a, it's a massive part of of the process but you you have to understand that you have to build that social connection to 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 folks who are like you um find it um and and, and understand too whether it's therapy or or something else along those lines of where you're working on yourself daily because 
because that that aspect is still going to be there. And that aspect that I'm talking about is is your feelings, your emotions. Life is still going to be coming at you and 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 life is still going to be tough. Yeah. And and so you can't self-medicate with that drug. So you have to understand now you have to utilize or create more tools for yourself to face life. <laughs> so what what brought each of you or do you even know what brought each of you to um to your addiction in the first place i mean was was there something i i i mean i can make massive guesswork for both of you but it could be completely fucking different and i think unfortunately a lot of people do make massive guesswork and that's kind of where we start to overlap and go wrong i mean i've previously been homeless and the immediate thought for people is going, well, you're homeless. Therefore, you were drinking drugs, everything else. You know, I once had a conversation with someone where I said to them I'd been homeless. And their response was, but you're civilized, which is just proves the fucking problem, really. Um, yeah, exactly. That was their response. Because I, do, I don't sound in their mind. I don't sound like I should be homeless. You know, I should be slurring my words, have a common. That's what their that mind goes to. And I'm sure there's a lot of things that we can assume from from different perspectives from both of you so if we just go around in, in terms of where my eye line is monty what yeah. and then um rj if you want to come straight on from it what was what's kind of what made you go towards your addiction i, I mean the addiction's kind of always been there but what was it that made you realize it was even there yeah 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 um for for me i think the biggest turning point of when i understood that i was addicted to alcohol was whenever I was in my second year in the NFL um, and I I was injured and so I was placed on injured reserve so my season was done and so I had a lot of time to think to myself a lot of time you know I just had to go to the facility for two hours a day do some PT and then go home mm. and so I had a significant amount of time to myself and that is when I really truly realized that my body fell apart because I wasn't taking care of my body I allowed for alcohol to become more important to me than my dream growing up. I made it to the NFL, which was my dream, but I allowed for alcohol uh, to, to, to just be there more for like, it, it was more important to me than, than my dream. And I get it. It's an addiction. It's, it's mental health. It, it's not as if I wanted that, but coming to that realization made me drink even more, um, made me slip down that path even more. And then, I just became a bad person, man. I was not a good person to the folks around me. I was not a good person to the partner who I was with. Um, and all of my emotions blew up um, on someone who trusted me. And, and, and the moment my feet touched that floor in jail from a domestic abuse situation, I was like, what is going on? Mm. Like, what am I doing? And, and, and so it was for me, it, it was, it was the second year in the NFL. And then, and then once I, once I sat in jail, I was like, I, I, I this is not who I am at all. And I knew I had to make a change. Okay. If, uh, you know, for me, I would say growing up, I knew that there was a chance because my dad is sober from alcohol. And I don't know if he's ever called himself an alcoholic. So like, I was always tepid around alcohol. Mm. Um, but then, like, in college, I couldn't manage my money. Uh, it was all going to alcohol, right? It was always drinking. I'm like, I'm going to have to stop this, like, if I want to have a family or do something besides be that college kid, right? Mm. Um, 
and then and then it was i want to say the last four times i drank i i have no memory of it uh i every single time i drank i drank all of it blacked out wake up in the morning first thing you got to think of is who do you have to apologize to right um that was when and then i had a job not a career i had making barely able to make ends meet just you know i wanted more for myself yeah. i knew those around me wanted more for me too um so that that was kind of like when i knew that it had taken over and i knew i was i was doing it to get to that point to get to the blacked out to get to the numbers yeah so that that was that was where it was i guess yeah i think that that numbing i've i've heard you speak about before in other podcasts that it's it's a big distinction that i think people don't recognize um and for a lot of people it, it seems to be the the main difference between those that are drinking a lot and those that are having to drink that those that drink a lot they're just they just drink a lot they're they're young or whatever um or they're having a bad time whereas those that are drinking too numb there's a, there's a fucking reason, you know, there, there's a, right. there's something else going on. Um, and there's something in, important kind of in, in both of what you said, there in different ways. So um, RJ, you're saying about your, your father um, being sober. So it seems like, you know, there's, there's something in the past that he hasn't admitted to himself um, potentially, and just hasn't thought about, or, you know, doesn't want to interact with. Um, and, you know, there could have been things that he's done that he doesn't even really think about. And uh, Monty with yourself as well um, about, you know, domestic abuse, things and things like that. Yeah. I think that's, there's something that a lot of people seem to ignore. And it really annoys me with all the positivity stuff. Um, you guys know from your podcast what my thoughts are on the positivity um, bullshit. Yeah. It, you know, when it just kind of goes, oh, don't worry, everything's going to be fine tomorrow. I mean, there's a there's a thing on TikTok where it, where um, somebody did the song where it's like... Um, um, it, it was talking about, you know, I'm not okay. And it just a song about that. And then somebody did a remix of it and just said, so don't be okay then. And it's like, are oh, you fucking useless cunt? But the, 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 they just don't understand that there's, there's, a, there's a difference there that you're just meant to just move on. But I think something that that forgets to do, and a lot of these where it's just like, right, we're going we're gonna to just do this now. We're going to move on and everything's fine. Is we forget to accept the fact that we were, utter wankers in our past like that's something that we don't a lot of us don't embrace and i mean i've said this to many of you guys before and, and people in my community know that in my mind everyone's an arsehole everyone is an arsehole it's just whether i'm your kind of arsehole or not because the way you're going to look at it is if if you if you think everyone is an arsehole as a starting point and then you don't like someone well they're an arsehole we knew that already but if you do like someone they're just your kind of arsehole and I think the thing is that we tend to do now is just go, yeah, but no, everyone's everyone's lovely and not everyone's had a bad past. I'm sorry, but I don't believe it. I think everyone in their past has been toxic. Everyone has done something that has been toxic. I don't give a shit what, you know, I, I did have someone once say, well, what about Mother Teresa? Well, Mother Teresa was a complete bitch. I'm sorry, actually look into her past. She's a complete useless cunt. I don't know why they've made the woman a saint because she fucking isn't. Have some look at Christopher Hitchens. But they still hold this woman up as being a saint, literally. So the idea that, that we don't all hold some kind of toxicity is nonsense. And I think it's that, that ability to look at ourselves and not just admit that we have a problem, such as alcohol, such as, um, you know, whatever it is, 
that actually we have also been toxic because so many people have started to use things about mental health, whether it's addiction, whether it's um, um, neurodivergency, whatever it is, <coughs> they've started to use it as the reason they've done something. You know, oh, well, the reason I, I was such an asshole too is because I'm autistic. The reason I was such an asshole, I was drunk. I, no, 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 you, you were just a cunt. At that point, that's who you were. And that's not a good thing, but you need to realize that at that point, that's who you were. Looking back in those tinted glasses to think, oh, I was a better person yesterday. No, you weren't. You changed from yesterday. And that's a good thing. You know, that, that this idea that, you know, oh, well, I, I'm the same person I've always been. Well, then you've never grown up, you man child. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the problem. So I think what both of you have kind of gone into there is, is that understanding and accepting that there's a part of you that isn't right. And you've admitted that, you know, either it's you're <clears throat> stuck in at work and it's just like college, oh, I fucked this up. What, what, what am I fucking doing? Or, you know, domestic abuse and, and, um, and things through you screwing up your own dream. There's something that is both of you. Does that some, seem to ring a bell with the idea that you've, you've accepted in your past for both of you that you've accepted that at, at some point you were just dicks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad you said that because that's, I, I say that um, a lot to folks where it's like, I was just, I was just actually just yesterday, I had a conversation with somebody and they were like, why don't you drink anymore? And I was like, I was not a good person. I was extremely egotistical. Um, I was kind and friendly, you know, when we were partying, but I just thought that I was just better than everybody. And I just was not a, was not somebody who I would want to be around today. Mm. That's really just what it is. What about yeah, you? same. Yeah, I think that's also part of what I've been having the most problems with, like in my recovery and sobriety is just accepting how much of a toxic dickhead I was Yeah, like, you know, I, I still have guilt over it. I, I have problems forgiving myself. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm not the same person. Um, and that's a good thing, but you know, I got to be better tomorrow because I wasn't yesterday and that's what it's about that's what it's about it's just getting better for my family for um you know everybody that's around me and that's kind of where it started yeah i mean i, th I think that's good obviously it's it's a really hard thing for a lot of people because society has told us that's not what we're meant to admit you know we're not meant mm -hmm. to think about the fact that we were ourselves you know it's it's not something we do and so it can be really hard for people and now you said something there that i i I always find it difficult and I'm, I, you know, I'm a bit chalk and cheese with, with certain people, you know, people either love me or they just want to throw me out of a window. Um, and it's, it's the idea that we're, we've got to forgive ourselves, which I don't agree with. I don't think we should have to forgive ourselves because if you're a complete arsehole, complete cunt, a, a different person, someone that you don't even recognize, because let's be honest, we, the, the idea of gaslighting, we gaslight ourselves. You know, we can make ourselves into whatever. And human memory is fucked at the best of times. You know, most lawyers want to want it taken away from um, the courtrooms because it's so unreliable. Um, and yet we've meant we've got to forgive ourselves for being something that we've forgotten. Dif we've remembered differently. Other people will remember differently. We know that we were ourselves, but we've got to forgive ourselves for being. Our no, 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 you were an arsehole. That's fucking done. 
accept that you're an arsehole, accept that you would, did that thing. Because to me, when you forgive, you don't accept in my mind. If you're forgiving something, you tend to roll over the acceptance. You know, well, I forgive it. So that's okay. I think that's what happens for a lot of people. It's just like, well, I forgive myself for that. Have you accepted that you did it? Yeah, but I forgive myself. Mm, it's not the same thing. If you accept it, it is part of you. It is part of you going forward. And everything from you, good, bad, and indifferent, has come from that shit show that was back then. Mm-hmm. I think that that pushes more into our own personality nowadays and helps us grow far more than forgiving ourselves. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, this is everyone has a different way of dealing with things, but that's always been my perception that we especially from the kind of the wellness and and you know be nice to everyone bullshit that we have ourselves nowadays we always seem to have this idea of, of let's forgive everyone and i fuck them no <laughs> i don't know how that sounds rj because obviously it was it, you were saying about it so oh has the internet gone RJ, oh no, I think it's gone very slow there I don't know. Oh no, we've got you. What? What was that, RJ? So it was obviously you that was saying about it. Oh, very dodgy audio there, Um, RJ. Don't quite what's happening. Oh, there we go. Right, we're back with you. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, Yeah, that's something that I personally needed to hear that it's okay you don't have to right mm. so you can still move forward that sounds good that sounds like the best thing that i've heard about myself in a long time right like <laughs> there we go <laughs> yeah i mean because i'm i can't i can't as as a person who's trying to be better and look at everything i'm not gonna be able to forgive yeah. myself if i'm looking at it because I honestly don't know because I was so blacked out all the time. All of the stuff that I did, I woke up in places, I, people I never talked to before. Like I woke up in a town where I was supposed to be at my friends. I don't, well, I don't even know the lady's name. I woke up in a room. Like, mm. you know, I don't, what happened? I don't know. I literally cannot tell you. So how are you supposed to forgive yourself when you know you don't know what you did, right? Mm. You don't. Yeah. And it's, you know, like I say, we, we create a background or a narrative to ourselves that we can be absolutely convinced of. And it may be that someone else remembers it differently, but you can never mm. accept one of them to be more right than the other. So how do you forgive a perception? How do you, <laughs> how do you get, you know, you're, you're forgiving something that may have never happened or you're you're interacting with a a version of you that was never true it's it's the reason i always say to people that whenever we reminisce or whenever we look to the future we've set ourselves up for an immediate failure because you will never remember what you were correctly you will either think that you were incredibly amazing and so that you're so bad now because you've you've got worse or you'll be like well i was a complete um asshole when actually maybe you weren't as bad and now you're better but you're still having to go yourself and then we'll look to the future and go, I can be an amazing person tomorrow. Well, maybe you can't. Maybe this is you, but that's fine. And it's it's the problem we have is this is us right now. This is this is who we are. The best we can do is make sure that we're not ourselves now. 
anything that we've done in our past that we have to, um, you know, if people asked, if somebody asks you, ask your friend or someone that knew you at that time, oh, well, this guy was, um, you know, what was this guy like? Let's say you're, you're meeting a new partner and they know someone that knew you. And they go, okay, so what was this guy like? I, I, you know, you knew him from back at college or whatever. You forgiving yourself, you going, oh, yeah, but this happened then, isn't going to change what they tell that person. Isn't going to change mm. the perception of you. Whereas if you're meeting this new person and you straight off just go, you know what? I was a complete cunt. Then if they go off and ask someone, guess what? It's not going to sound as bad as what you just said about yourself. When you've accepted, <laughs> when you've accepted who you were, um, that becomes a lot easier. Now, I've said this to people. I say it a lot of time on, on Twitch because I do tend to have this idea, and I don't know how. People will put you on a pedestal sometimes. They'll be like, and I'm sure you'll have it sometimes, Monty, because you're, you know, you're in your recovery coaching. The people go, oh, but you're so, you've, you've done this, and that's, that's really great. You, you've done amazingly here. And, mm -hmm. you know, you'll get the, the, the kindness and the wholesome stuff. And you're like, no, that's not who I am. Do not create a version of someone else because then you're going to try and live up to that as well. And it becomes problematic over and over again. I mean, obviously, that was that was more in, in how RJ was um, seeing it, Monty. But does that kind of yeah. ring true for you as well? That uh, it, 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 it does, it, at least for mine, you know, it, it's I can pinpoint in action. You yeah. know what I mean? That that that. I've worked on for so long of forgiving myself um, from it. And it hasn't been easy. Absolutely not easy. And I wouldn't even say I'm fully there yet. But um, I mean, well, there's been many times where I haven't done that specific action, but I've been a very toxic individual. So um, I'm still trying to digest it all, man, that 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 you just shared right there, because I never thought about it from that point of view. Um, where that where is this 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 perception of you of what you're thinking of may not be what someone else remembers um and so i think uh yeah that that's that's that that's that's heavy man that that was heavy <laughs> right i mean there. so really if we put it digest. if we put it in the most direct way we can and yeah this is to this is to you monty and this you know this 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 can come across as however you want it to come across. It is not meant in a certain way. If we asked the person who you were in an abusive relationship with, um, whether they give a shit that you've forgiven yourself or not, what would they say? No, they don't care. Exactly. So in my mind, if you're trying to make yourself a better person, you're trying to live from your past, how does it help you move forward when the actions you had and their interactions with others will never change. All you can do is try and show the world and potentially that person that you aren't that anymore. If so much of your energy that could create that is about you making sure that you're okay with what you did, it doesn't matter to most people around. And I think that's something that we need to recognize. There needs to be that mindfulness. There needs to be that recognition of this is what happened. This, this happened. I can't fucking do anything about it. This happened. This was shit. I was a dickhead. But I cannot change the fucking past. I can't go back. I can't. It doesn't matter what I want to feel about it. It doesn't matter whether I forgive myself or I want to beat myself up. It's happened. End of. Whereas if we're just moving forward, that's something that can change. So if, we're, if our want is to change ourselves and change the relation and see what we did, we also need to look at it in terms of everything. And I think when we 
try and focus too much in on the forgiveness of ourselves we forget that it doesn't really fucking matter <laughs> i mean yeah I, I guess you know forgiveness from the standpoint of <clears throat> yeah i mean I, I i tell you man i never really actually thought about it that way yeah you're 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 waiting you're waiting for something that is not going to change anything that has happened no it can't and that's going to and it's not going to change the perception of it may, but, but, but you, the actual act of forgiving yourself is not going to change the perception that folks had of you at that moment, mm. because they're obviously not going to know if, if you've forgiven yourself right now or, or a year from now or two years from now. But so, yeah, that's, that's, that's some good information right there, man. It really yeah. is. Uh, and obviously, yeah, it's, it's an opinion, but, but, I, I got I got to sit on that one for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's I've just never heard that before. I really haven't. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, and I, and I think that's I think that's important. I think that's I mean, it's, it's the thing that we've I mean, we've discussed before, and a lot of people that come across me is that I'm yeah. I, I talked about the fact that I'm I'm a monkey in a suit because I, I I will talk on the terms of being mindful and everything like that, but at the same time, I'm also you know my brothers and sisters were boomers and Gen Z Gen X, sorry. So my my opinions are a, a little harsher, and it mixes. Right. It's a, it's a, I'm a general generational melting pot of like of of we need to sort things out, but at the same time, fuck you, and it just kind of comes together, and this is where the weird <laughs> thoughts come from. Um, but it is really, I think it is really difficult. So obviously, um, RJ, I'm I'm hoping you can hear because your camera's a little bit jittery, but I'm hoping you can hear. Um, obviously, for yourself, it has been really fucking difficult recently um, because of of family. And everything like that, and obviously we know that you've um, you 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 thought about you thought about picking up the, the bottle again. Um, yeah. Was there was there anything in particular that stopped you, or was it um, like? And it doesn't have to be a good thing that stopped you. As in, was it? No, I needed. I, I was too ashamed. Was it that you know what? No, I'm just a better person now. Like what? What was it that meant that you didn't pick up the bottle again? Uh, I'm a stubborn son of a bitch. <laughs> um, no, that like for for real, like honestly, that got me through my first five years of sobriety. Like I'm just I'm a super stubborn person, and with being stubborn, a lot of pride comes with it, right? So I said I'm gonna stop. I stopped for a month. Stopped for two months. That added up. Got stopped for a year. Well. No, I'm just never, I'm not going to do it again. And, but that doesn't mean that I didn't struggle and didn't have my cravings and stuff. This last one was different. So my uncle passed away um, and it was, it was cancer. And we, you know, knew, knew it was coming. Um, obviously that doesn't make it any easier, but. No. <laughs> uh, it just, it. So I got the call and I knew I was getting it, but it was when I got the call for when the funeral was, and it was going to be sooner than I thought. So I thought I'd have some time to plan, travel, lodging, everything. I had to get new shirt and everything. Um, and it was just like everything just, you know, sideswiped me. It was like, I got T-boned by the, all of these emotions that all just rushed in, but I was able to, because of, switching from just sobriety to recovery i was able to see my emotions that i was having right and i was able to kind of 
define them a little bit better, especially than I used to be able to. I mean, you know, um, just understanding that, like, I really am not feeling good about all of this situation. And um, I was able to kind of take my new-ish hobby and just take my mind off of the emotions that were there right at the surface, which my newest hobby is cooking. So I just cooked dinner for my family and uh, put on some hard rock music that I used to listen to high school that when I was going through emotional, you know, uh, uh, big emotions, like that rock music was right there with me the entire time. It just took me back to that place. And I was able to just find my center again. Mm. And instead of numbing my emotions, it was almost like I kind of sorted through them. Yeah. I was kind of able to, okay, I'm stressed because I have to find this, a plane ticket, like in the next two days. Uh, I'm stressed because I got to find a hotel when I get there and okay, that's done. What's next. Okay. Just one step at a time. Whereas if it was like in my first two or three years of sobriety, before I went over my emotions, before I, went through that I was trying to just not feel anything Mm. I would have I there's a really really strong chance that I would have gone back to that bottle yeah I think it's that's a hell of a thing to not just reach for because I know there's probably people out there and um those of you that are thinking these next four fuck you um that just think you know oh we can just avoid the bowl it doesn't matter like of course you can like oh i don't drink that often or whatever like that now talking to someone who is not um in any kind of recovery addiction you know i don't drink that often i had a my first beer last night that i've had in quite a while um my wife passed away from cancer as you as you both know the first thing i did apart from general breakdown but within 20 minutes of um, of seeing her passed away, I went downstairs, went into the um, drinks cabinet, got a bottle of whiskey, bottle of schnapps, went into my office and down both of them. And I'm not someone who's recovering and that it's, that it's an automatic key for. But it, it's mm-hmm. something, in, and I, I have a, a stupid tolerance as well, so I didn't think it was going to necessarily do anything, but it's, it's so ingrained into your head to go, something shit, drink you know that's that's for a lot of people that it's just it's part of our society i think as well in a western society now granted america and england does have differences but i think part of that is we we get used to the idea that that is to you use alcohol to get rid of the the um get rid of the nightmares um that have come true and to forget the dreams that never did come true you know that's that's the kind of thing we're going for and so that's that was my immediate response so i think it's when you know that you have that previous addiction, I think that's incredibly difficult to, to, to stop yourself. So I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud. I'm proud of you for that as well. I, I messaged you at the time as well to, to not, Thank just, you. because I knew what, I, I knew what my response was. Um, uh, you know, obviously the, the relationship was different, but it, it's the, it's the same kind of thing. And, you know, to, to be in recovery and to not do it is, is a very different thing. Um, you said just yourself about it, it being stubbornness as well for a lot of things. And I think that's something a lot of people can 
relate to that when we're mm-hmm. when we want to change something it's just stubbornness and you know the marathons i just did when everybody, everybody asked me about that i my response is it's not a lot of marathons i'm just a stubborn bastard um and i think it is people's way of of thinking but was there something do you think um rather than you just waking up one day and it could just be this you waking up one day and going oh okay no i've been able to compartmentalize i can do this now was there something that changed for both of you because i'm guessing maybe monta this is similar for you that changed you from being no i'm just not going to do this because i'm stubborn to no i I can do this yeah Mm. is the podcast for me right um it's talking to other people who are not just in sobriety but in recovery it's talking getting these different angles getting these different ways of thinking about things from all sorts of places um places you wouldn't even expect to look and being able to be like, well, I felt that way before too. Like, you know, being able to be like, well, why did I drink? Like I drank because I never thought about it. I never, I didn't call myself an alcoholic until the podcast. I mean, that's six years into my sobriety. I never called myself an alcoholic. Like I wasn't honest with myself. Mm. Um, and then learning different techniques that people use right before they, uh pick up the bottle you know the play the tape till the end um stuff like that it the podcast has really made me look at sobriety and recovery differently made it look at made me look at emotional intelligence in a way that i can grasp and it's not just like this phenomenon that i just will never be able to get i'm just stuck as a 13 year old when it comes to emotions like no i can learn it it's just a matter of I need to hear it in terms that I can understand. Just just like anything you learn. You can learn anything in life if you can get someone to break it down for you that you can grasp what's going on, right? Um, So yeah, for me, for sure, that change was the podcast, the people we've had on, uh, Mons and him sharing his stories and uh, things that he's learned, like... It, it's all benefited me for the better and without it i would not have had the skills that i had to be able to find my new hobby and you know being able to bring myself back to center okay what about yourself monty yeah 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 um i i agree with the with the podcast for sure that that that's that's provided some it's just it's it's more just more, you know, speaking to more folks who are who are in recovery, speaking to psychologists, uh, understanding a lot more that goes into it. Um, and also, you know, not saying that we haven't been walking the walk, but it also makes us a little bit more. I'm losing I'm losing my train of thought here. Uh, it, it's, it has it's been a, a bit like long um, day. probably very a bit like day. I say to people with like um, yeah. do, do as I say accountable I do. You know, Thank because you. you tell people what you tell people what to do, and then you can go, "Oh fuck, I'm not doing it." <laughs> <laughs> brings a, yeah, 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 yeah. Brings a lot more accountability um, um, into into it, but also, you know, going through the recovery coach training. Um, I think last year um, I lived with uh, the vulnerable population, folks experiencing homelessness for seven months. I lived with them um, in a hotel to help them out to get connected to resources every single day. That taught me a lot as well about chronic homelessness and chronic addiction. Um, 
and just reinforce it with myself. Like, okay, I can, I can do this. I'm going to continuously learn. I'm going to continuously grow. I'm going to continuously craft my tools, learn more about myself, learn more about my, my triggers. Um, it kind of just opened up this door a little more of, of wanting to learn as much as I can about addiction myself and how to continuously help others. Um, and I think the podcast part is that, you know, helping others uh, component uh, that we're going to continuously keep doing. I've, I feel like I've, I really want to say my, my kind of tagline um, to, to both of you because of the continuing when to help, when to help others. Because the, the thing yeah. people is making sure that you're okay first, because if you're not, everyone else is fucked anyway. So, um, <laughs> but uh, so to be somewhat controversial, because both of you have mentioned it more than once now about the podcast and talking to each other being the help for you. Was there anything, and obviously this, is, this could be more difficult because you are um, in-laws now as well, was there anything that you found really difficult for both of you to deal with about the other person's alcoholism? Either background or, or their, their, their way of dealing with alcoholism, anything like that. You felt, and it's not to say that you disliked each other, but just that you kind of, it's, a, it's been something that you found difficult in each other because obviously this is something I think we find across so many different things, like, you know, addiction, mental health, everything, but we all pretend that, you know, if you have a friend, we all pretend that everyone is great about everything. Um, mm. And it comes back to my point about, uh, about you know, me saying everyone's an arsehole. There's a, there's a joke, actually, by Reginald D. Hunter, when he talks about American uh, male uh, friendships as opposed to British ones. And it's my point of view on this is that I think a lot of people do what the American style is as opposed to the English one. And I think the English one is more honest because... The, the the you know Reginald D Hunter puts it as if you if you go to America and someone introduces you to their friend it'd be like hey this is Brad he's a really nice guy he's a great guy whereas if you go to Britain it'll be this is Dave he's a bit of a twat you know it's that kind of you start from the sarcastic kind of yeah he's fucked up the rest of the same, same as the rest of us but he's an all right guy as opposed to he's amazing you get to find out the faults later and um, was there something that you each found difficult to deal with for, for about each other. <clears throat> I mean, I have something, and this is something that I think I completely understand where Mons came from. And uh, it just took a little bit. Right. And that's kind of being open. Mm. Um, when we first started the podcast, Mons had a lot of his press speak that he learned through being so good at football and doing interviews and, it was kind of a lot of canned responses, mm. and, but and then I think he was a little nervous of being really open. Um, but like, I mean, he's the now we could talk about anything on air and like be truthful with one another mm. and like taking it, going to conversations and everything. And like, I can't believe sometimes how open he is, like, and being vulnerable because he is the more famous person, right? He is he is the person that other people know and like he still has interviews and stuff, but we do have difficult conversations and sometimes it could be controversial, mm -hmm. but um, I think, yeah, like, uh, you know, for the first couple months, it was sometimes I felt like I had to pull teeth and getting stuff. But like I said, I don't fault him for that. Like, but that was a little difficult to start. Okay. Yeah. Um. See, I was going to say the same thing because to this day, I still don't know really any of RJ's mistakes. Okay. Mm. 
still to this day. And we've had over what a hundred episodes. Mm. Pretty close, yeah. And 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 so I'm uh, that that's I, I've been waiting for a year now, over <laughs> a year. Um, and if you go back and listen to every single one of our episodes, I it's just uh, and again, well, both of us, I'm, I I I struggled as well mm-hmm. too. But it, it's the I was blacked out, didn't like myself. can't forgive myself yeah that's a good one that's you you give us like surface level Mm -hmm. um and i've been i've been i haven't been pushing it at all i've been 100 episodes in and i haven't said anything uh because it's not it's not for me to tell you what to say it's not for me to tell you what to share but i i I, and i'm not attacking you here i've struggled significantly with with truly opening up and and not giving those cookie cutter responses uh like like most athletes do where it's just you just say the same thing over and over but uh that's honestly what i was gonna say because i i've I've been i've been waiting which i never said anything because it doesn't really matter um you know what exactly those mistakes were but um i am a little curious (laughs) yeah i mean i'm excited because i didn't know this and uh you're right like i you're right never i've not talked about my past like really like my you know uh my really good friend my brother kind of know how I was but like uh my partner knows too but like that's it mm. so so the next you know, podcast that I could untapped the next podcast guys the, the, the links below the next podcast this to do it's gonna be you know you're gonna be watching it it's gonna be like four hours um <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it does it does kind of make sense from both of you saying that because I know, for instance, when um, so a lot of your guests on Untapped, if not all of them, I'm trying to remember, have been American before me. Uh, we've we had on Ooh. one lady from uh, the UK. OK, so um, and uh, I watch them and it all does sound very canned um, mm-hmm. until I came on. And both of your responses to me was like, what the fuck is this? um and it's and so that doesn't surprise me because i i feel maybe both of you are still expecting certain responses um and i think that's that's part of the of the journey and that's what i was saying and I, I, as i said it, you know not to be um just just a dick about it but i think it's it's always important to kind of know that about each other and and everybody else is to know that there are still problems and to recognize that what you've been doing because like i say i think both of both of you have been expecting certain things because of your relationships with each other in terms of a candid answer. And so that, hence, when I came along, when I did your podcast a few weeks ago, and this is not to blow my, my own trumpet, but you both had a response of like, I wasn't what you expected. Um, I think you hear, you hear he's a mental health streamer that does mindfulness and um, stuff on Twitch. You have the ideas of a fucking hippie, let's be honest, especially when it's because it was Jenny Fur that, that put you over, who's a lot nicer to people. Um, and then I came along and didn't have that filter because fuck it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think your interaction with someone else that's going through a similar background, as far as you know, to yourself, when you are used to a certain f- filter or wall that they've put up, you assume that of everybody else. And I think that's something that yeah. we can all learn about our own issues. And that's the problem. It's the biggest problem we have, I think, in terms of mental health, in terms of sobriety, anything is that we are, we put on 
we put onto others a a mask that we have put on them. So we see the world through a certain mask and then we want somebody else to see us or we want somebody else to act a certain way. Well, we give them the mask that we've created because that's the way we think it should be. So when both of you have interacted with each other, you've effectively had a similar mask. So you've thrown it back in uh, to and from each other. And then other people come on, right, well, that's the mask. You, you fit this now because that's the way it works. And I think that's what holds us back a lot of the time when we talk about mental health, when we talk about sobriety, when we talk about any kind of thing around that that's basically fucked with ourselves is that we hold it back because we don't want to insult. We don't want to, um, you know, step out of turn, anything like that. Right. But that's why before we started this podcast, I asked one question, is anything off limits? And that's the only thing I ever ask people because it's I don't really do that. I don't do the kind of nicey nicey because I don't think it's helpful. I think that so many people want to persuade you it's helpful. And don't get me wrong, if 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 like you're both several years into your sobriety, if this was like six months in, then it probably isn't very helpful because you're still trying your best not to reach for a fucking bottle. But when it's several yeah. years in, you know right. the problems. And it's it's that kind of thing of going, okay, now I'm now I'm here. Maybe I, I shouldn't be just being nice about myself or, yeah. or holding it back. And that can be a problem. I hope that made sense because there was also, you know. It does. No, no, no. It, it, it actually really, it really does. And and we don't take any offense to that at all. Uh, and because we always share that we we're not experts. We're not, we're not flashy. We don't have all the answers. Um, but I also think, and I'm not making an excuse here, but, I, but uh, we've, the United States of America is going through, uh, going through some some very odd times right now where where folks are the censorship is starting to happen um and 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 folks who are starting podcasts folks who are maybe doing whatever it is where they're getting out in front of people and they're talking are extremely nervous about saying the wrong thing i i get it i get i get yeah. it <laughs> so i've heard this before <laughs> and my response to it is the same as every time the amount of people that have wanted me to shut up, for instance, how fucking well do you think that's worked? The the idea, so there is the idea of cancel culture, which is effectively what you're alluding to. Um, cancel culture, cancel culture works if the person should be cancelled. It does not work if the person shouldn't. And I've always uh, gone to that because the people every time you have someone that they go cancel which isn't a fucking thing anyway it's just it, you're holding some to account but people will throw the word around not do the actions so every now and again someone will go we're going to cancel this person nothing fucking happens they just get to have a buzzword but the people that it's actually happened to all fucking deserved it the people that have had it said about them shit always happened um kevin hart being the obvious one Kevin Hart himself could have continued with the Oscars, decided himself not to do it, um, had already made apologies several times a decade before about his own viewpoints. And, mm. oh, you know, Kevin Hart isn't, isn't a multimillionaire by any chance. It's not like he brought out five blockbuster films since that whole thing happened or anything. And that's the thing. If, you are, if you're not a complete cunt and you just continue doing it, it's fine. Because you're not the one that looks like an idiot. And I think that's the problem is it's, there's more about the, what, the, the perception that people have about it than the actual action itself. People, I always worry that people go, oh, I'm not going to say a certain thing because I'm worried about certain something else. I always worry to a point that 
The people that are truly worried are more worried that there's something in their past they don't want to be brought forward when people go looking. Mm. Um, I, on the other hand, go, I was a cunt in my past. I'll show you where to find it. Um, like it's, it's, not a, it's not a thing. And that's, that's, that's the point is I think for a lot of people, the, the cancel culture and everything around it is the problem. Now, on top of that, I will say the mindset of people when it comes to this is one that is ridiculous because we have <laughs> the same people that want you to not ever um, grow. They effectively go, no, you've done something wrong. That's it. You're done. Are also the people that will congratulate you when you are someone that has grown. So, you know, that, that we'll, we'll look at people that are, you know, recovery coaches or that have, like there's, yeah. a, there's a few gangsters in the UK. Like I'm talking proper fucking gangsters who are now like, they're now mentors for young people. And we go, oh, isn't this amazing? I'm like, he's killed five people. What the fuck are you on about? Like, you're, but you're going, oh, they're amazing. And then there's Mike down the pub that once said that he wanted to bottle someone who's never actually fucking done anything. Oh, but we really dislike him. Well, right. which is it? Uh, so there is that right. side of it as well that people have not seemingly thought about it. Um, I mean, the obvious one is also during the BLM marches, um, there was a former neo-Nazi who... Um, there's a there's a picture of him reaching out now it looks like the nazi salute because people have got the bill um, um, flags and he's covered in tattoos you know the swastika mm. and all that kind of stuff and that's of course what you know the washington post everyone went with until of course the people at the march went what the fuck are you doing that guy was marching with her with us that was him reaching for a fucking blm flag he is someone who had grown up in a cult and because of his economic background, can't afford to get the tattoos removed. Mm. He's nothing to do with that past. He has nothing to do with that past. And that past only existed because he was not taught a world outside of it because he was in a fucking cult. And literally him reaching out was him reaching out for a BLM march. And they said the rest of that thing, if they'd have stayed on him for another second, he was, he was fucking walking with them, marching with them wow. as part of the BLM march. And so that's always my point is when we come across that, the lies will out. And so whether you're on one side of it of going, right, we're going to cancel this person, or whether you're on the other side of it going, I'm going to say something just because I'm edgy, whichever one of you is talking shit will eventually be found out. Um, the, the problem is, is that we want to bypass that bullshit discussion in the middle. And that's the problem. And I, I made the comment on one of your podcasts about the fact that we, we you know, we, we have our, our separate ways of viewing it. And it's really weird. But yeah, I'm I'm always a bit thinking about the um, about the idea of cancel culture because my, my yeah. obvious thing is what would happen? I mean, how many times has Ricky Gervais been tried to be cancelled? Like how many fucking times? Yeah. That? <laughs> um, cancel culture doesn't right. happen if they don't fucking care. Try and, for instance, try and cancel Jeff Bezos. Right. Who's going to fucking Musk, notice? How many times? <laughs> you know yeah exactly Elon Musk, right on Amazon. Yeah, any of them what's going to happen it no one fucking cares uh, if they don't care nothing happens it's only those that go i've got to delete that um uh, uh that post i've got to do that because they know there's other stuff you know they know right. that actually shit there's other stuff people are going to find and they're the ones that suddenly oh no there's an apology the next day okay why is there an apology the next day <laughs> so i'm always wary about the the cancel culture and i do think I'm, I'm of the opinion that America's way of doing this is because you haven't been honest with yourselves at all. 
Whereas the UK, I think we're we're far more self-deprecating. And in that self-deprecation, we're far more honest about the fact that we're just a bunch of twats. Like we, we go with the thing of like, yeah, we fucked up. We fucked up the world. Everything that's fucked in the world, we did it 200 years ago. Like everything. America is our fucking fault. Like there's, you know, so everything I think <laughs> has come from that, that we we have this thing of, of doing it. I think that's why it's very important um, to have that cultural understanding when we talk about it, because I mean, because you, you open that, Monty, by saying, you know, here in America. And the problem is, is that even there in America, it's a, it's a melting pot. You know, if, if you're if your first um, way of thinking is we think this way because, well, what about any immigrants in the past year? What about anybody who's first uh, who's First Nation? Um, you know, there's there's a load of different people who don't think like that, who have no interaction. Yeah. The Amish, for instance, don't have the fucking Internet. The Amish couldn't give a shit about someone being cancelled. You know, there's, they're all people that are there in America. So it's understanding that culture. And I've had this. I, I had this with um, with people when I've been on podcasts, other people's podcasts, when I've had that culture interaction because I am the I am the moody Brit who swears a lot. Um, and it really is that juxtaposition to a lot of American audiences and to other audiences as well. It's not just America, but I think the way I speak is very... It's very jarring for a lot of American um, LA-born LA mindfulness. Let's put it that way. Let's make a lot of money out of the fact that you're depressed, kind of LA bullshit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very kind of um, uh, socially um, to the left. But the one thing that LA and California does fuck up is their mental health stuff. Um, but so it's it is it is something that I think is important to go actually, we need to look more into having a cultural understanding. I mean, a simple thing, actually, just in my head, um, a stupid thing, but is there, do you think, RJ, I'm hoping that is just you that's turned the camera off and then we still do still have you. Um, do you think there has been a, I can, in my head, ah, readmit, RJ, that wasn't too much of a, of a thing there. So do you think there is a, um, a specific problem um that one of you or either one of you has um has found from having a past in alcoholism a cultural issue that people may think oh well we're going to immediately think this or we're going to think this and something that's come out of it at all wait so, so sorry so uh what's the so, question well because um so obviously in america the big thing at the moment as well because we just said blm is race right it's something that i think right. um as, as in as in Britain, we've always kind of looked at America as being racist. I'm sorry, America. Um, that, you know, that's well, it turns out America has always been racist. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have I have discussions with people, and they're like, "Oh, you know, um, a lot of the world doesn't like us anymore." I'm like, "No, no, we never liked you. It's just that since Trump, yeah. you've realised that we didn't like you." Um, but have you found that people's responses to you, and I can assume what is in my head, but again, that's a biased, um, probably potentially racist thought process in my head. Um, is there a point of view that people have brought forward for um, against either of you or for either of you when it's come to you looking for help with alcoholism? Ooh. Oh. Oh, RJ, go ahead, man. I don't think you so. I don't, I know like people have said that we seem superficial, right? Because mm -hmm. we have a podcast 
about our uh, sobriety and recovery for an hour a week, right? And they don't believe that we are sober. Like they think that we're just like kind of clout chasing or whatever, that we're sober. And it's like, I think that's the only thing that people kind of brought up is that we make it seem like it's all rosy and rose colored, you know, it's roses right. and rainbows over here. And it's like, no, if you just listen to our other episodes, they're not all like that. It's just sometimes, mm-hmm. yes, it is roses and rainbows in our lives. Um, that's kind of the only thing that I can think of that people have brought up. I mean, as far as like the the race stuff, I mean, I don't think there's anything there. I've, yeah, I think that's yeah. about it. So yeah, I'm so, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Go, please, please, Monty. Go ahead. Go on. I was seriously gonna chime in. I I don't really. I mean, we we have received that feedback, yeah, um, uh, plenty of times. But but you know, we're we're, we're not gonna make stuff up. Um, yeah. You know. You know what I mean. Uh, uh, you know, our our shows are as candid as we we we. Well, there's obviously room for improvement, but but again, we're not gonna make stories up to make it seem like we're crawling through the trenches right now uh and 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 truly like significantly struggling um so every day is not great yeah i think the thing i was i was thinking of and again this is this is potentially trying to look outside yourselves and look at cultural differences look at everything else is when we in first introduced you both talked about it rj one uh, one comment that you made was i'm from the midwest I am an alcoholic. I was an alcoholic, as you're expected to be if you're from the Midwest, which is a cultural st- well, assumption. From Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> but my point was that's a that's yeah. a cultural bias, oh, and yeah. a cultural stereotype that's yeah. been put upon you. And if again, if we looked at Family Guy, Simpsons, um, any of the kind of the more the edgier of the of the cartoon stuff, what would be the obvious um, two jokes they would make about NFL players? Uh, NFL players dumb and violent, violent, violent alcoholics. That's why I would get from it. And so, and again, there's that's born of a cultural ideal. So, in my mind, any things that you're getting from people potentially is because there's an assumption they're already making. They're going, Oh, you're from Wisconsin. Oh, of course, you're fucking drunk. Like, oh, you're NFL. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, you've got a violent past. What a fucking surprise. That's in their head immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think these are things that we need to get past when it comes to, to cultural change is that it's understanding how other people see us. And that's why I say about, about myself is I know how I look to people. I know how I come across because pff, fuck it. I mean, it's, it is what it is, but it's, it can be very difficult, especially when we're trying to, I don't want to say help others because I never, I never necessarily say I'm helping others. Um, but when we're trying to inform or have a discussion with other people, I think it can be very interesting to try and put ourselves in the position of what they see of us. What do they actually see? Or what do they actually think when they, when they come to us? Because there's a lot of things that people mm-hmm. can say, but right. there's a lot of things that people can think. Like if you're talking yep. blue collar guy from w- Wisconsin, there's a lot of things that politicians um, that are, you know, financiers and stuff that can say about the working class. And area. Um, we'd call you working class. I know that's not what you say in America, but we'd say working class. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that you can say. Fuck all of it is what they believe. <laughs> you know, it's it's the big difference. So, does that make sense as to what I'm trying to get at there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We, uh, well, yeah, 
the cultural differences are extremely important um, in this context. And, and yeah, we, we, we are saying it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Midwest from yeah, living in Wisconsin. It's, it's the cultural norm to the social norm to excessively drink. Mm. Um, and that's, that's something that's, yeah. that, that's interesting to, to do because yeah. RJ, did you realize you were even saying it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, that's actually something we've talked about is trying to get through in a culture where it's so ingrained that you're not just going to drink, but you're going to drink a lot. Mm. And you're going to go somewhere. I mean, honestly, to other countries and you're going to say, Oh, I'm from Wisconsin. And they're automatically going to be like, Oh yeah, you, you can drink. Right. Like we, that is something that the culture takes very seriously is that uh, we can out drink you and we're not afraid to. And uh, that's just kind of like, that's what I grew up with. That's how it still is Mm. Uh, in the United States. You know, they just came out with a list of like the 50 drunkest counties in the United States. And like 45 of them are in Wisconsin. It is, and, it is interesting. Yeah. 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 I mean, from a perspective of, of English, I think of Wisconsin, I think mm-hmm. of cheese. That's actually all I think about. Yeah, that too. Um, but, cheese and beer. And I think that's, that, that is a, a weird one as well, because I think a question that possibly a lot of people would um like to know and i think it this can be defined by culture as well is when do you know you're a drunk because mm. it, for instance in the uk yeah. our, our our alcohol tolerance and intake is way in excess of america it's way in excess mm-hmm. of most of europe but most people i don't think would either consider themselves um, alcoholic or necessarily are because of just the way that the culture works around it like it is part of the culture too not really drink during the week at the weekend you drink a load but then i think in the early 2000s suddenly the narrative started to change almost as an attack and it's potentially the same with wisconsin and and with nfl players as an attack it, it became a binge drinking young people are binge drinking mm-hmm. as, as opposed to right. what they the people that are writing it always fucking did was it's the weekend we're gonna drink um and it actually again was a cultural attack because it was on working class people that only really worked during the 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 weekend had some of the weekend so how did you kind of discover or realize um that i'm not just enjoying alcohol i mean obviously rj you were saying that this is not necessarily been something you've known for a long time this has almost been potentially something newer in your minds um and potentially your father hasn't even recognized it by himself but it's um how did you think fuck i'm i'm, I'm i am an alcoholic rather than going what everyone does is oh sober october i can give up for a month because i'm not an alcoholic which fyi for a lot of people out there basically one of the first signs that you are um is the idea that you have to prove to yourself that you aren't um um, (laughs) wow it's fun when people go yeah no i'm doing this to prove that i'm not an alcoholic and you're like actually (laughs) but yeah one big thing rather than just Rather than just, you know, as you say, when you're in prison and you thought, what the fuck have I done? Was there a moment, instead of just an action, that you just then went, actually, shit, I'm, I'm this? You know, for, for it, it, for me, I struggled with that the most when I was in college, um, because I'm not from Wisconsin. I'm from uh, Missouri, and, and, and 
the drinking culture in Missouri is, is completely different than it is in Wisconsin. Um, so whenever I came up here to Wisconsin to go to school to play football, I had my parents trying to pull me to the side and tell me that I'm consuming too much alcohol. But then again, I'm seeing every single body else drink just as much or even more than me at the bars. Um, I mean, our head coach at the time was, was getting hammered drunk. Um, <laughs> and so to me, it was just, the, it was, it was what everybody else did. So I, there was no way that I was ever going to, I don't want to say ever have the opportunity because I don't want to take any sort of blame off myself, but, but if, at, at at the impressionable stage of my life at 18 and 19 years old, having this sort of freedom of being in college and everybody else consuming an excessive amount of alcohol, there was really not a lot of room for me to be like, wait, my drinking stands out. I think I need to, you know, seek help when nobody else was, no one else was doing it. So I just felt like I was just part of them. We were all doing the same thing, but it just impacted me differently. Mm-hmm. Um, impacted me differently. Absolutely. What about what about you, RJ? Um, for me, like being around you know parents that drink around their kids. That in Wisconsin, it's legal for a parent to give a child an alcoholic drink at any age, like at a bar in a public setting. It's legal. Um, it doesn't matter how drunk they are. A parent can buy them alcohol. Yeah. Um. So growing up around that, I didn't think I've had an issue, like you know, in college, my friends started to tell me like, Hey, you know, when you drink, you go hard. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, so does most other people are like, no, they don't. You think that because you have no idea what's going on around you. Mm. And, uh, I was like, no, you're full of it. Like what, you know, I'm fine. Like I, I can, I'll cut back on it. And then when it got to the point of, I would have one or two. The next thing I know, I'm going out to the bars, no matter what I have to do in the morning, no matter, you know, I have a date with my girlfriend at the time, whether I have some family, something, they all knew I was going to be late because I was going to oversleep or I was only going to have two hours of sleep and I'm going to look like crap or, uh, you know, whatever it was. And that was when I started to realize it was a problem. So I cut back on the, times I was drinking and then I would because I knew if I drank I was going to get to that level so I would drink like once every few months instead and then it's like well it's still a problem when I do it um how I I just it's not it can't it can't continue it can't continue so I think that is that is something that both of you have kind of um shown that that it's even if there's other people around you that seemingly are the same or that you think are the same um, and maybe somebody else doesn't realize it of you that, you know, there's a problem. It can, there can often be a problem without it being overly recognizable. Like, well, mm. I'm just in Wisconsin where well, everyone in college in the NFL is, you know, it's that kind of thing. I mean, there's, it brings to mind, I don't know if either of you ever watched the West wing um, at all. But, mm, but No, but I, I've always wanted to watch that show, but I, I did not. My dad Definitely. Did. You should you should go back and watch it. But there's a character yeah. in it um, who is the vice president. And the vice president in it, the first vice president in it, is an alcoholic. He's a recovering alcoholic. And there's a point made in it that he is a recovering alcoholic from the age of 17. He's in his 40s. 
Um, and he makes the point that he's a recovering alcoholic and he went into recovery at 17. And the president in the show, Martin Sheen, says, but most people are, would call that being young. Does it really matter? Like he doesn't, he almost doesn't believe it. Not in a nasty way, but he, his immediate response mm. is, isn't that just like, isn't that just being young? Isn't that just you like a drink? Um, and so even, even when somebody who's been in recovery for like 20 odd years is there going, you need to know I'm an alcoholic their response was like are you like is it not just you know and it sounds maybe like there there was some of that feeling for for each of you like it's either oh, yeah. yeah but the community it's fine i mean it's a similar thing in the uk it's in the age of six um um that you can give alcohol to to, to kids over here as well um so it's six yeah so it's not in, not in a public place but from the age of six you can um you can drink um in the uk yeah people always get it wrong it's the age of 16 in public um and the age of six but the the only age you can buy it from is 18 but the age you can drink it from is six so it's a similar thing um, over here is we have that setting mm -hmm. which is why we have the same you know we are we are the wisconsin of europe um <laughs> yeah like, oh there's fucking drunken yeah. bastards that's, um, <laughs> that's what we always wanted to do we always wanted to go to uk and drink because hey there are kindred spirits so like yes. go in in college that's what we wanted to do yeah yeah and i mean it's i think it is it is interesting because obviously you have those people around that you that don't necessarily um know and did coming off from that actually was there anybody when you both went into recovery or when you first became sober because they're as we've discussed they're two very different things was there anyone that just went what are you doing there's nothing wrong you, you just you just yeah yep. uh, a yeah. lot of friends I have... a lot of friends right uh, yeah um Actually, somebody who I was really close with uh, would always tell me that it's all in my mind. Like, I don't have an issue. And uh, and I think part of it was because if I admitted I had an issue, it's like looking in a mirror. He's got to admit that the way he drinks sometimes is not good either. So I think that was it. But like, yeah, I had a lot of friends who were like, no, you don't have an issue. You just got to, you know, limit, learn to limit the amount that you drink is like but that's the problem is there's no learning i can't mm. like physically so like i had a really good friend who pulled that friend aside and said you are going to shut the f up you're not going to bring it up he's he wants to go sober he wants this leave him alone and mm. like if he didn't do that more than likely i would not be coming up on my eighth year of being sober i'd probably be i would probably be sober still but it'd probably be like four or five years Mm. Yeah. if i'm not dead you know <laughs> yeah it is a weird thing that that kind of seems to be around you what about you monty was there a similar thing with you at all or oh absolutely yeah yeah, yeah most definitely um i had which is why i don't really associate with most of those folks no not most all of those folks actually who obviously understood like they they knew that okay dude that act okay can't not do that but they were like, but you were always just a happy-go-lucky and good guy and the the partier, the 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 jokester, all of that stuff. And and then like, you, there's nothing wrong with you, nothing wrong with you, absolutely uh, at all. And so for me, I, I was getting texts like that, you know, a couple months after I those three days I sat in jail, getting yeah. texts from folks uh, just a couple weeks after. Uh, actually saying, you know, uh, you're going to keep your head up. You'll be fine. Um, once this dies down, really love to go on a trip with you and uh, just to let your hair down. And I'm just like, 
yeah. like it took me so long that that's that's the text that really sticks out to me obviously uh, still on my side um i'm just like what you said you never truly cared about me ever and that, that's just that's just uh you know it's an unfortunate situation but also a fortunate one for myself to to move past people like that move on yeah. from folks like that yeah and i mean it's it is the the one where it's just like oh you know just carry on it's fine i mean it goes back to what we were saying earlier when when people just kind of have the the viewpoint you know the the, tox, the toxic positivity stuff of like everything's gonna be okay mm-hmm. you, just, you just need yeah. to relax you just need to relax like have a few drinks you, you, you'll be fine and it's like shut the fuck up yeah. or the other one of I, I you said rj which i i oh my god i hear it sometimes and it, it's all i can do not to nut the people um is um i don't know if that makes sense in, in america not as in headbutt them um is uh, i assumed it was like me in the nuts or something no so. no headbutt them. <laughs> your nut is yeah um so is um it, it is it's this idea of oh it's all in your head and you're there going that's the fucking problem if it was in my yeah. pinky finger, it wouldn't be a fucking issue. Like, what? I don't understand what people have this. It's like, if I said to someone who is in a wheelchair, well, the problem, the reason you're in the wheelchair is because there's a, a problem with the, um, the, um, with the nerve endings. There's been an interruption between the, um, the nerve responses in your back and in your legs and your brain. And what that means is your central nervous system is is, um, the problem. It's not sending the proper messages. So by that, what you mean is it's in your fucking head. But do we say that to someone that is in a wheelchair? No, of course we don't, because we're not complete twats. But the second Mm -hmm. it's I have an addiction, I have a mental health issue, it's in your head. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's so weird. People never never put together. It's like literally the centre... Of your central nervous system, the thing that governs your entire fucking body is your head, is your mind, is your brain, is the thing mm-hmm. that everyone's somehow throwing away as being the reason that it's okay that that's where the problem is. And you're like, that, mm-hmm. I don't know what level of stupid you really are on, but what the fuck? Um, yeah. And it is, so did you, I mean, it, it sounds like both of you have cut out completely all of those people, or is there anybody left that learnt with you? Um, it was pretty easy for me. I, I, I cut, I cut, I, I've cut, I cut them all out. I did. I have. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying there was a, it was a lot of folks. It was only, it was six or seven people, mm. um, who I no longer associate with whatsoever. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm still friends with that guy. Not as close as we used to be, obviously. Um, and then like a lot of the people that I used to hang around with a lot, like I, like I said, I'm from a small town. So when I go back to visit my parents and stuff, like I associate with them still. I'll have conversations, mm-hmm. but it's not not like I don't text them anymore. Like they used to ask me to play like uh, you know, sporting events, tournaments with them and stuff. Um, and I'm just like, nah, I'm okay. Like yep. the last couple of times I did it, they are. I wouldn't say they were pushy, but like they offered me drinks multiple times and it was just like everybody getting drunk kind of a thing and it's like yeah this isn't for me yeah i think that's probably a very good sign that 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 you've moved from sober to recovery um because of course if you're still in and i mean it's actually coming from that is 
obviously, RJ, you were saying that it actually was quite a while before you moved from sober to recovery, mm-hmm. or at least until you accepted that it was different. But um, was there was there a specific point at which you um, realised that you were in recovery? As in, like with that, if you were just sober and someone was saying the drinks, there's a possibility that you might go, mm, just, okay, I, I'm sober, but I, it, it is okay. Whereas recovery, you're going, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't need that. Uh, this is fine. Um, was there a specific point that you realised actually, fuck, I've taken a step forward here? Uh, for me, it was actually a conversation I had with my partner where like, and it had nothing to do with alcohol. It was just more like me being able to express my emotions like verbally and um, kind of understanding my past that still affects the way that I act now, right? Like ha- having that understanding, like that's not something that I, I, I looked at. So it, it wasn't around alcohol, but it was more around becoming a more full person, I guess. Like, uh, you know, like right in, be- I would say going in between sobriety and recovery, it was kind of like a middle area hmm. where I was trying to figure out who I am. You know, who is RJ? Like, am I like part of my, one of my greatest fears was, am I the person uh, who was drunk is that really is that the real rj or was that rj when the real rj was so drunk that didn't know anything that was going on right mm. i mean the truth is somewhere in between there yeah and um so being able to kind of identify that kind of stuff and being able to talk about that stuff is kind of when i noticed that i took a step from uh sobriety into recovery and then just being able to use it maybe at like uh, work and stuff like that using these different techniques they came from you know just learning from how other people do stuff yeah yeah it's it, you had that kind of you were starting to see who you were like the, the, the mist was starting to starting to go starting to clear a little bit um yeah it, it, or, i mean ironically probably how you would almost describe a hangover kind of like it was it, almost mm. like a, a long-standing hangover yes. the mist is kind of going Oh fuck! This is what the world looks like. Um, so, so yeah. What about yourself, Monty? Yeah. Um, so, so you know, for me, it was a lot of uh, you know, I had my back up against the wall. You know, what I mean, it's it, it's a you know more of a public story. Um, and I and I knew that there's honestly only one direction that that I well actually two directions I can go. I can I can sit down and, and play the woe is me card and uh feel sorry for myself and make excuses or i can own up um actually become a man um do the right things to make amends um to better myself um and also to prove so once i got out of jail i was in jail for three days and then three weeks later um so a week later i was i was in notified that i was a father um of a of a of a woman from my past and then six weeks from that moment, my son was born. Um, and so for me, I, I, I told myself that I'm going to do everything in my power, obviously for myself, but for my son as well, so that he understands that your dad was a piece of shit in that moment, Mm. not his entire 
30 years of his life right now, 31 years of his life or, or what have you. Um, so my goal is just to obviously prove to myself, but also I want to show my son that, that you have the ability to get back up. You, you're going to make mistakes. Obviously, I hope you don't make any mistakes like that. But if you make mistakes, you, you have the option, you have the decision, the choice to make to make amends better yourself, own up to it and do what needs to be done in order to, to remove yourself from that mistake. Mm. Um, and so that's really what, what, what my, my now dream is, um, is to make sure that my son is set up to understand that if there's anything that you need to speak about, you can speak to me about it. And if there's any mistakes that you have made, you can come to me and talk to me about it because that is not the end of the road. Yeah. It's not the end of the road. Yeah, I think, I mean, I haven't watched it all back as we were talking beforehand. Um, you did a podcast earlier today with um, with someone about toxic positivity. Uh, it's not toxic, yeah. toxic masculinity um, oh, yeah. and that, that kind of thing. And um, I think that can be really damaging, especially around alcohol, especially around bringing up a son, because there is the, yeah. the thing for a lot of people, it, it's still that kind of, yeah, but you, you've got to be a man. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, what, what does that mean? Right. Because right. like, what's, the, what's, the, <laughs> what's the big dream of so many parents? I mean, so many, so many, um, so many men have a have a thought process of with their son. When's it, when when is it going to be that I first buy you your first beer? You know that mm. that's almost written into a code of being a father of buying them their first beer of you know being. A, it's like why the fuck is that part of the culture? Um, why is that part mm. of it? And it's it's that kind of you wanting to kind of teach your son with it is is obviously something that is great and at the same time you're going through so many hurdles at the same time. One, you're having to deal with the fact that bringing, you know, being part of um, child's life is, is an issue in itself and could trigger any um, thoughts back to your own um, sobriety, as well as dealing with your own past toxic masculinity. Cause let's be honest, you're an yeah. athlete in, in a very kind of macho-y, you know, bullshit thing to do. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've said before, like I am, I'm the fucking post, poster boy for privilege and toxicity. I am, I'm it. I'm a white male, middle-class, um, uh, you know, uh, cis male. Um, there's a former tournament fighter and martial arts instructor. I could not get, I could more, not stink <laughs> privilege and toxicity. You know, I spent my days punching people. Um, so it's, uh, you know, and, and, and for yourself, it's just like not, you know, nothing moved down. So it's yeah, hard to do that as well. Um, and it's very difficult. And I think, also, RJ, you were saying about something there that I think a lot of people have difficulty with. And it's why a lot of people, I don't think, either want to accept their um, addictions, don't want to get diagnosis for something, is what if I'm just this person? Which is always a strange one for, for me to, to kind of get into that mindset when I'm talking with people. Because they're like, but what if I'm just, what if I don't have a problem? Is the, is the one that a lot of people say. It's like, what if I don't have a problem and I've just made all this up? Or what if I'm just a piece of shit? And you're going to go, well, there's a few things there. One of them is you've just described yourself as a piece of shit. That suggests, one, you're not because you're looking at yourself like that. Or you've recognized that you're that now, which means you can change it. You're not set in stone. It comes back to the point we made earlier about you know, um, cancer culture and kind of moving and changing is if, if you're going to only think of yourself, as, oh, yeah, but what if I'm just a piece of shit? Well, yeah, but you're not granite. You're not just stuck like this. You can right. change. And actually, you getting a diagnosis, you finding out and realizing or accepting that you're um, an alcoholic, um, accepting that there's maybe some toxic friends around you or whatever it is, 
gives you the chance to go, no, I'm going to turn this around now. As both of you yep. have said about, you know, you, RJ, you've gone from a job to a career to trying to get yourself forward. Um, uh, Monty to kind of realizing and trying to make things better for your son. And you both have that kind of thing, like right now, I fucked this up. What can right. I do about it? Even if I was, or I am a piece of shit, the the worst I can do is roll it in fucking glitter. At least I'll sparkle a little bit. Like you can still do, <laughs> you know, you can still do fucking something. It's, uh, that's the thing. I think it's really important to do. But um, yes, we all kind of. I think we all pretend to ourselves either because we think the journey would be too hard, or that we, um, you know, that we're we're not worthy of it. That 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 whole thing is just out of our control, and that. You know, if I'm a piece of shit today, that that's it. You know, it's it's not. I can't change it. I can't change, it. and that that's a problem that for for a lot of our understanding, really. Um, I think I've kind of put across most of the thing I, I was thinking. Was there anything that either of you wanted to say or to um, give advice in a general sense or anything like that at all? Um, for me, I think I think the biggest one. Um... The biggest one, I, th- I think, and I think this is kind of uh, what you would agree with as well, um, is, is again, you, you can't change what people think of you. Um, and I've truly had to face that the last five years, going on six now. Um, there's going to be people for the rest of my life who are never going to like me. And I got to accept that. I got to accept that and, and continuously move on with my life. So my message to folks is, um, if you are someone who's made a mistake that you that you deeply regret, it's one hell of a of a journey that you're about to be on um to better yourself to to maybe forgive yourself or not forgive yourself whatever but but to understand that do it for yourself mm. you know do it for yourself do it for the ones who you love truly love and the ones who you know truly love you and then outside of that don't really don't 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 worry too much about what people think about you um that's just really what it is that's just what it comes down to, because I think just naturally folks just don't like people. <laughs> I think if you're, you step into a room of 10 people, seven of them are going to find a reason not to like you. Um, that, that's just really just what it comes down to. So I just want for folks to really understand that. Yeah. Um, I think just, in, just do it for yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's important in, in the sense as well that, that people will like you for no fucking dislike you for no fucking yeah. Like, yeah, because I think a lot of people, especially when we're, when we're struggling with something, will go, oh, but I must have done something wrong. It's like, no, they just don't like you. Yeah, but that's my fault then. It's like, no, it's not. Like, I've talked to people before about, like, their family is really toxic to them because of their problems. That person is the one with the problem. But they're yeah. like, no, but I'm the problem because I've caused them to dislike me. It's like, no, you haven't. You are just there's something that they dislike. But that isn't your fault that you embody something. Um, you have done nothing wrong necessarily. All they're seeing is something that they've decided they didn't like before they even knew you, before they interacted with anything part, yep. that's part of you, they went, nah, don't like that. And so you've embodied it and they've gone, right. And I think that is important. That there may be reasons mm-hmm. that people don't like you that you have done, but at the same reason, right. at the same time, there's stuff that you have no control over. So why try and separate them? Why spend so much time in your life and so much energy going, well, why is it they don't like me? When you can just go, you know what? fuck it i'll deal with it as an overall (laughs) because why am i going to use up my energy that i could be using in making sure that i get better or that i am Mm -hmm. better by figuring out whether i've done something wrong or not just act in in something that means you haven't done something wrong you know right it's this thing it's people look at look at um issues when, when a lot of it's come come about people and um how men get viewed with um 
uh, a lot of things now nowadays and you can always kind of see the ones that are the problem because they're the ones that are defensively going but i i've got to figure out whether whether this happens no, no no just just be a good person just just if someone's telling you telling you that there's a there's a problem that they're coming across just okay there's a problem yeah. but we can in that case i will be part of part of um uh, the the solution i'm not going to try and figure out whether i've done something wrong because if you need to fucking think about it then that's not helping anyone. It's not helping you. It's not helping any other conversation. It's just up in the air. Whereas if we're just going to go, okay, there's a problem. Cool. How do we solve it? What do we do? What do we do? Because mm-hmm. if people don't like you, then fuck them. You've been tried to. You've tried to be, and you've tried to do what you can. If they're not going to see that, fuck them. There's nothing else you can yeah. do. You've, you've immediately gone on the offense on on the offensive to be good. Like they they have automatically thought what they wanted to think and nothing exactly. you could do to change it so um rj's i think camera or phone is just he texted yeah. me he said he's uh trying to get back in it won't let him back in oh okay um it's not even giving me an option to uh, yeah so um <laughs> i don't know so um we will see um whether there's anything that rj wanted to wanted to say if there is anything that rj has has a message um that Monty hasn't picked up on, or I haven't picked up on. It will literally, we will add it in at the end here. I will add it in as a kind of voice thing at the end. So yeah. if if RJ had something that, oh wait a minute, here we go. Oh, there he is. Hello. Hey, I just called in now, so I'm just. This is this will feel yeah, far more like a radio talk show now, RJ, because <laughs> this is now a call in. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was just saying that if there was anything that you wanted to say that we would add it at the end, but you've come in at a perfect time now. I was just saying, was there anything that you wanted to kind of add for, for anybody that's listening to this or anybody watching that that um that you either you've learnt, you want to impart some kind of advice or anything that you, you kind of think that I haven't or Monty hasn't kind of um alluded to or spoken about? Well, I mean, I think for people who like you're right like if there if you think you have a an issue if you think there's a problem and you have to prove to yourself like that a that means that there is there's something mm-hmm. to look into but you know everybody is different mm. everybody's journey is different i mean that's what we always we started calling it we've kind of gotten away from it but really what it is is it's your sobriety journey it's it doesn't matter how you get there, what works for you, especially compared to other people, do not compare yourself to other people. Uh, Just do what is healthy for you Uh and start there and, uh, you know, see where, see where that takes you. And uh, we have been very vocal that it doesn't matter how many days you have, like you only can do what's in front of you what is the next day so you have something to give other people as well if you so choose you don't have to don't feel like you have to but um you know if you feel like something's helped you and you want to try to help somebody you know a lot of people are accepting of other advice because we need it sometimes and uh i think that's where i would I would start with and want to leave people with as well. So yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, I'll just just add on because I never shut the fuck up. So I'll just add on something. Um, is that I think <laughs> on top of not just um, don't compare yourself to others, as we've said during this, don't compare yourself to yourself because um, the version mm. of you you saw in the past isn't you. 
the version of you you want to see in the future isn't you um comparing yourself to yourself or to anybody else is never never going to help you it's just seeing what you want to do right now who you are right now having that that kind of moment of, of existential understanding of yourself whether that's whether that's at the bottom bottom of a bottle one day that you've just gone fuck whether it's in a prison cell whether it's um because um uh, you know a family member is ill whatever it is um that moment when you want to do something and you want to change something that is you now that's not you shouldn't have to look at your past you shouldn't have to look at what barry down the pub did it's it's what you can do now so um thank you everyone uh next God, week- i love you i love you <laughs> So um, uh, next week we're going to have um, we're going to have on Scotty Wartooth, who a lot of you will know better as uh, TikTok Jesus. Um, We're going to be talking about online hate. um, And you'll probably find out that he's actually a lot less controversial than probably I am when we talk about religion. So there you go. Come in and and join us for that one. And thank you both for joining me. That's uh, that's been great. Thank you so much for being um, for being part of that and coming on and and being as open as as you have been with that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, guys. And thank you, everyone, for watching. If there's any of you left, and um, we'll see you next time. Cheers, everyone.